there's a giant Supreme Court ruling that's complicated, you talk to the smartest person you know about constitutional law. And that is Tim Malloyer, who started as a caller caller to this show. And is, uh, I mean, he was already a genius lawyer. He just was calling into the show regularly. And then we started having him on. We started having him on as a guest. Tim Sandifer is the vice president for litigation at the Goldwater Institute and the author of Frederick Douglass' Self-Made Man, among other fantastic books uh, that uh, deal with the liberty, economic and otherwise. Uh, Tim, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm great. You know, my career is a tribute to the upward trajectory that is possible to any listener who is the beneficiary of your educa- daily educational efforts on the air. I think that is a, uh, a sound sound yeah. uh, conclusion. Efforts really being the key word there. Yeah. So, uh, listen, Supreme the Supreme Court has delivered a, a rather large blow to public employee unions in particular uh, with the case today, I think. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, and this is this is not something that we haven't foreseen. I mean, this has been coming for quite some time, but it certainly uh, uh, delivers the the punch that we've all been waiting for. This case is called Janus, and what it involves is the question of whether public employees can be required to subsidize the activities of public sector unions. Now, in the private sector, employees are sometimes required, even if they don't join the union, to, to pay uh, uh, what they call an agency fee, which is money, money direct, uh, de- um, deducted directly from their paychecks to support the union. But the First Amendment says that they can't be required to subsidize political lobbying by their union because it's wrong to be forced to subsidize political activities that you disagree with because that violates their freedom of speech. But public sector unions are different because everything that they do is a political activity. If a public sector union goes and lobbies the government for you know, a, an increase in their budget or a, an expansion of their hours or, or even just ordinary personnel policy, that is political activity because the, the union in question involves pu- public sector employees, government employees. So the question in this case is whether people can be forced to subsidize anything that public sector employee uh, unions do and the answer is no the supreme court says across the board people cannot be forced to to support the activities of a public sector union even if they're government employees and just for the listeners benefit we're going to get heavily into what the possible political ramifications of this are um more tomorrow i think but just to, to stick with the law for now what the dissenters the liberal justices say was wrong with the decision they're very bothered by this because they think that the majority is using the First Amendment to, as Justice Kagan says, as a sword to cut back against regulations that they don't like. And I think that's absurd because, of course, the purpose of the First Amendment is to restrict the government's ability to regulate you when it intrudes on your freedom of speech. That's why we have a Constitution. But the dissenters have a view of the First Amendment that's different. In their view, the point of the First Amendment is not to protect individual rights, but instead to foster democracy. The problem with that is that democracy is kind of in the eye of the beholder. What's, what serves democratic goals is, is kind of an abstract idea. And so what happens is people like Justice Kagan or like Justice Breyer, they often favor restrictions on freedom of speech because they think that those are going to serve broader democratic goals by, you know, limiting the power of corporations and all this sort of thing. What that really ends up doing is allowing the government to restrict freedom of speech whenever political powers think that's a good idea. And that's very dangerous. Uh, do you make anything of the number of 5-4 decisions we've had in the last couple of weeks? 
Uh, not really. There's been a lot of talk about how Justice Kennedy has not joined the liberal justices on any decisions this term, and that is unusual. But I think it's just because uh, that just happens to be the way the cases come out. I'm I'm not one of those who looks at the Supreme Court in purely political terms. I think these justices. They have their beliefs as a legal matter, and they they go in accordance with those beliefs. I don't think that they're always saying, well, I'm a Republican justice, so I favor the Republicans or anything like that. And so I'm always reluctant to read the court that way. Well, how about the fact that Gorsuch was with the majority on most of these five fours, which means if Hillary had, you know, one, probably a good chance he'd have gone the other way. Oh, there's no question, especially this case. I think there's no question that it would have gone the other way. Wow, and that's that's something. There, talk about elections matter, matter, and it was just had thousands of votes. So big Supreme exactly, Court, just exactly right. big Supreme Court decisions that could have gone the other way. That's something. That's right. And when you factor in the fact that these public sector unions, well, basically all unions, but particularly public sector unions, are heavily pro Democrat. They, they, you know, they're, they're the people who are forced to subsidize the unions aren't. Public sector employees are often very conservative, but they're required to support these unions, and the unions devote overwhelmingly uh, their political contributions to the Democratic Party. You see the reason why this is an important First Amendment issue. You, what you're seeing with public sector unions is the creation of a gover- pro-government party that, that gets its entire living off of the government, and, and so it's lobbying for constantly increasing growth in the government and on the other side the citizen often doesn't have anybody at the bargaining table to speak for them so that's why this is such an important step in restoring what i think is true democracy an even playing field where taxpayers and public sector unions can can go and and argue out their political differences without a thumb being on one side of the scale right and what bothers me particularly about this is and you made reference to it it's this insidious circular flow of cash enshrined by the law that, you know, and the cash turns into votes, turns into more power, which turns into more money for the union, which, of course, uh, the, the workers are mandated to pay into, which elects more pro-union people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and what you end up is with is, I don't know, for instance, an unfunded pension liability that is wildly unsupportable and a ginormous theft from future generations, just for instance. As Julius Caesar said, with men we will get money and with money we will get men. That old Julie Caesar, he could turn a phrase, couldn't he? So can Timothy Sandifer, Vice President for Litigation of the Goldwater Institute, on the line. I know you're a close watcher of the SCOTUS. Um, I know you can't predict heart attacks on hunting trips, but do you think anybody's going to retire uh, in between? Well, there has been a lot of talk about Justice Kennedy possibly retiring, and, and that would be a very big deal because Kennedy is is the 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 swing justice. He's the the one who votes conservative on on a lot of issues, but then votes liberal on a lot of social issues. He was an, an important vote on cases like Lawrence versus Texas about whether the government can outlaw private homosexual conduct and cases like Kilo versus New London. He went the wrong way in the infamous eminent domain case Ooh. back in 2005. He was the deciding vote that said oh, it's okay for the government to steal your home and give it to a private developer. A decision, by the way, that, that President Trump in endorses and thinks was correctly decided. So that that would be a major deal if he got replaced and, and those hearings went forward. Why do they always bring him up retiring? Is he like sick of the job and everybody knows it or what? He's not even the oldest guy, is he? he yeah, I believe he is. Oh, he is. He, okay. He was, a, he was appointed by Reagan, and I think he's the last remaining, he is the last remaining Reagan appointee. 
Oh, God, okay. I, somebody texted us the birth years of the Supreme Court justices. There's a 35, a, a 37, and a 36, I think. 1937, 1935, that, that they were born, which wow. is just incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't get too far into this and bore people that aren't into it, but a guy like Kennedy who goes back and forth the swing vote, do you see a, a, a consistency of thought there, or is he just like off his meds some days? No, I think that you do see a consistency of thought. The problem is that the thoughts are muddled. Um, the, the problem is that Justice Kennedy is one of these ones who very often wants to find a compromise position, and the, he thinks that you can do that through democracy. And the problem is that for the court to throw an issue out there and say, no, no, this is for the public to decide through voting, is really an abandonment of their responsibilities. Because the, the point of the Constitution is to restrict what the majority can do to us in order to protect our rights. And, because it's not supposed to be a winner-take-all democracy where the majority always gets its way. So if you take the, the case of the Kelo case, for instance, what he said in that case was, yeah, if the government is abusing its power to take away one person's property and give it to another person, that's a bad thing, so courts should keep an eye on it. But on the other hand, that should be allowed. And I'm not going to tell you when it's not allowed. And so nobody knows what that decision means. And that's very frustrating to those of us who are trying to draw clear lines in the law. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. Signed the Fourth Amendment. Um, so, uh, you know, we've, we're talking a lot about that point of view, uh, democracy, etc. It's a bit of a cliche in these discussions, but it is true that the word democracy is is mentioned nowhere in any of the founding documents, is it? No, it's not mentioned in the Constitution. It's not mentioned in the Declaration of Independence. On the, on, in fact, the very reverse is true. The first sentence of the Constitution says that liberty is a blessing. It doesn't say that about democracy. And it goes on to restrict democracy in all sorts of complicated ways in order to protect liberty. And the problem with our modern-day democracy fetish is that we often think that that whatever the majority decides is a good thing because the majority has decided Like the bullet train. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's kind of the progressive point of view, though, isn't it? That if the majority thinks the government ought to be able to do something, the government ought to be able to do it. Ironically, they call themselves progressive, but that's a very regressive thought, because what the founding fathers did when they wrote the Constitution was they looked at the history of places like Greece and Rome, and they saw what sort of disasters followed if you just had the majority doing whatever it felt like. You would have, you know, one day they would decide one thing, and and then the next day they would decide the exact opposite, and it resulted in chaos and emotionalism, and people would get hurt in in the interim. So the reason we have the constitutional system is to limit what democracy can do in order to protect people from the from the often arbitrary will of the majority or even temporary majorities don't that don't actually represent what what the majority of people really want mm. right yeah fair enough uh tim sandifer vice president for litigation at the goldwater institute uh, any other of the recent cases uh, really got you uh, excited or angry or, or freaked out or anything well, the interesting thing for me is to fi- there's a follow-up case to today's Janus Union case and that, that we are litigating here at the Goldwater Institute called Fleck. And this case involves whether lawyers can be forced to join a bar association. That's different from a bar. Lawyers have to pass the bar. They have to take the bar exam and join the bar. But then there's also a club called the Bar Association. And a lot of states force lawyers to join bar associations also or come up with tricky ways to, to basically basically trick lawyers into subsidizing those bar associations, which are just like unions. They support overwhelmingly liberal causes. 
we have a case challenging that and we, that we've asked the U.S. Supreme Court to take. In fact, we, we just filed our request with them just a few days ago. And today's decision in the Janus case gives us, a, a, I think, a strong likelihood that the Supreme Court will take up this case also and say lawyers also cannot be forced to subsidize political causes that they don't agree with. Mm. Uh, final couple of questions. Oh, we're already running late. Who are the worst justices in Supreme Court history? Name a couple. In, in history, Roger Taney and Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. Okay. Uh, were there any particularly stupid justices who just oh, shouldn't have been there at all? probably, but there, there probably have been. There's one I can think of that it would be impolitic for me to name. Oh, wow. Text me later. <laughs> Is there a um, particular book about the Supreme Court you like? Because I read The Brethren by uh, uh, Woodward. And I thought it was fantastic. Is there anything you recommend? Yeah, the the Brethren is my is my favorite, but it is getting a little out of date. There's a wonderful book out there by a guy named Damon Root, R O O T. Gosh, I can't think of the title of it right now, but it's a it's a an updated version. It's a Dick. modern day explanation. The only reason I think the Brethren is still worth reading because it does talk about uh, the Burger Court and cases, but there's a lot of uh, civil rights cases, Roe versus Wade's in that book, so a lot of big stuff that still matters. Is it overruled the long war for control of the U.S. Supreme Court? That's exactly uh, no, uh, I don't. Yeah, that's right. Uh, overruled by Damon Root is an excellent book, and that's the updated version. The Brethren is is great because you know a lot of that the cases are old, but the court hasn't changed how it operates. So yeah, with the Brethren, and you get a view of how the court works. Oh, it was, and then, it was then it takes more recent books. so eye opening to me. I mean, completely changed my view of when I hear opinions and hear about them arguing and all that sort of stuff, the behind-the-scenes stuff, really good. Bob Woodward's great, so that's that. Tim Sandifer is great, too, from the Goldwater Institute. Tim, thanks so much for the enlightenment. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Great to talk. Can't wait to find out who the dumb justice is. Very excited about this. You know, I understand exactly. I won't say, Tim, if you're listening, I, understand, I won't say. I understand exactly what he's saying, that they, they don't... Um, they don't spend a lot of time thinking about politics, but they do think about it some. Sure, they're human I mean, beings. It's yeah. not uh, to, like they worked really hard to get all their civil rights cases to be eight zero or nine zero because they knew how important that was in terms of you know leading the nation in a different direction. And if somebody mm-hmm. was going the other way, they would really, really lean on that person and say, "Look, for the good of what we're trying to do here, you know that sort of thing." Yeah, yeah. I'd love to read that. Got to read that. Oh, it's great. Let's it's see. Great. That's book one seventy six on my must read list. <laughs> I'm starting to get a little discouraged. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Especially because um, I pick up a book and immediately want to start glancing at Twitter. I got something funny. Like a crack monkey. I've got something funny but distasteful coming up. Or she might not find it funny because it's so distasteful. But anyway, funny but distasteful is the total uh, the title of the uh, the unauthorized biography of me that came out recently. <laughs> it's unauthorized. So, yeah, I granted them no access. <laughs> Funny but distasteful. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. You may not think that it... The Armstrong and Getty Show. the new Barbie, which the new Barbie is a robotics scientist or something like that. Anyway. How can you tell? 
Um, I don't believe what Barbie does has much effect on uh, on anything, really. But we did get this text. You're wrong, Armstrong and Getty. Specifically, he means me. Uh, males still dominate the arena of jobs for science, technology, and mathematics. Then he gives me a bunch of labor statistics. Yeah, we know. Okay. I enjoy the show, but your white male privilege stinks. Sincerely, a progressive white male. Well, sorry about your guilty over being a male and being born white syndrome. I hope you can get over that. We know there's an imbalance in the sciences. I didn't know that. You know that, but we, I didn't know that. Haven't we talked about it? I don't a know. Lot? Maybe we have. It's not important enough for me to memorize, probably. Um, the whole Google memo thing that ring a bell. The whole oh yeah, that, I got yeah, in trouble. That's right. Blah, 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 oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Whatever. I refuse to talk about it. Re Barbie. You know, I don't think that an, has anything to do with anything. There's an imbalance in nurses of women, dude. Does that keep you weeping bitter tears at night? So, uh, you know, that was unnecessarily sarcastic. So I wanted to bring you to this Saturday Night Live sketch because I was thinking of this last night when my wife came across a story that somehow we missed a year ago. Oregon man carries mother's severed head into grocery store. Yeah! An Oregon guy carried his mom's severed head into a grocery store. And yesterday, the reason it was back in the news is they found him crazy. Imagine that. Oh, boy. How long did uh, that take him to figure out? A year. Hmm. And uh, and when they find you crazy... In ni- every 90 days, they evaluate you to see if you're better now. And if you're better now, you get to go. Oh, you're okay now, so we're going to let you out. And so, um, you know, because it's not your fault if you're crazy. Sure. On the other hand... Uh, it's like catching the flu. On the other hand, I think a lot of times you look at somebody who, who does that and you think, I'm not sure they should ever be out ever. Anyway, this is from Saturday Night Live. This is a parole hearing. Our next prisoner is Wallace Redding. Mr. Redding, we see by your file you've served 40 years of a life sentence. That's right, sir. Let me ask you, do you feel you've been rehabilitated? Rehabilitated? That's a funny question. I don't believe I know the meaning of that word. Is the man who walked into this prison 40 years ago the same man you see before you? Absolutely not. Am I a saint? No. Just a man. A man who's paid his debt to society. But no matter what your decision is today, I'll accept it. For I know that in the eyes of the Lord, I am a free man. Free from sin. I humbly await your answer. No! Hell no! You ate a man! You're the Texas man gobbler! Like, we'd be insane if we let you out! Yeah, you are never getting out of here! If there were no cameras in this room, I would kill you myself, you sick son of a bitch! The answer is no! An emphatic no! Well, I don't expect you to come up with an answer right now. But for any of you folks who are on the fence, I've taken a hard look at my life. The things I've done. The things I should have done. No one is on the fence. You just ate a guy in prison last week. A new guy. (laughs) You ate a whole guy, man. (laughs) It goes on like that. (laughs) Texas man gobbler. And then once again, the soft music comes up and says, well... Be that as it may, you argue amongst yourselves, but if you could just point well. me in the, and he says, and the crowd groans at this, if you could just point me in the direction of the nearest homeless shelter. Oh, oh, that's oh, dark. That was too much. Oh, boy. But I have a feeling it's going to go that way for the Oregon dude. He comes there. No, you walked into a grocery store with your mom's head. It's coming up in your news, Mark. Oh, I don't have time. I'm sorry, Marshall. I used all your time. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.
We got this text. The reason motorcycle ridership is down is the fact the new Harley-Davidson costs $30,000. I don't think that's the reason. I think it just went out of style, like things come and go out of style. But I was thinking about this. So half as many registrations for motorcycles now as 2006. Golf has had a similar trajectory. So you got a whole bunch of 40- and 50-something-year-old males specifically that used to ride Harleys and play golf that don't anymore. What did they replace that with? Pickleball. What's pickleball? It's the new oh, craze. Yeah. It's it's midway between like tennis and, and ping pong. Yep. Smaller court, dead ball. It's fun. It's great. Played it once. Like to play it again. But that's true, right? There's a whole bunch yeah. of dudes that used to have a Harley and play golf. Yeah. I mean, it was a big... If you ask them what they're into, they'd have said riding Harleys and playing golf. Right. And they don't do either one at all anymore. So well, what are they doing? The, the depressing answer is probably still working. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Like the, the, those seem like retirement kind of activities. Well, golf hasn't declined by Harley-like numbers. It's it's struggling among younger people though. That the Tiger cachet, it's cool to be a studly golfer thing, is more or less gone. Mm. But uh, what's coming up? In your news? I mean, it's time for the news. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. All right, political upset of the year belongs to Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a first-time candidate who at twenty-eight just beat the number four Democrat in the House. It was 10-term Congressman Joe Crowley of New York, who had been considered a potential successor to Nancy Pelosi as the House Democratic leader. He lost the primary to a former Bernie Sanders organizer backed by the Democratic Socialists of America. NPR host Steve Inskeep asked uh, Ocasio-Cortez if uh, that means by beating a Democratic leader like Crowley, it's time for other Democratic leaders like Nancy Pelosi to go. Well, I think that it depends on our options. You know, I'm I'm open to, to looking at who are our other candidates for leadership. Um, and you, it's really about the choices between two. But I'm certainly open to examining, you know, what we're doing as a party and how we're moving forward. Um, so that's not unqualified support for Nancy Pelosi. I'm not hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> We can all save that lap. Oh um, no! I mean, I think it's. I, I think what we have to do is. Um, I think it'd be inappropriate to commit to any one individual before we've even won back the house in November. So, so he says that's not uh, support for Nancy, and she says, <laughs> and just stops. Yeah. <laughs> he thought the clip was over. No, she wasn't going to go. She yeah, wasn't going to yeah. say anything. So anyway, yeah, you're not dragging any support out of me, which you know, I get that. And during her NPR interview, the host asked Ocasio-Cortez if there wasn't uh, any danger in Democrats seeming to be too extreme in their opposition to President Trump, his policies, and his supporters. Um, No, I don't think so. I mean, you look at the extremity of this current administration and trying to, you know, instill fear or spook uh, the Democrats that are trying to hold the unconscionable actions of this administration accountable is not extreme. Um, it is clarity. Okay. And clarity is not, I don't think it's it's that at all. Specifically, she uh, she was responding to the shouting at Huckabee yeah. at the restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, everything. And she said, no, I don't think that's going too far. Right. Wow. So uh, super lefty. I mean, Democrat socialist in favor of uh, guaranteed jobs right. and universal everything. 
Um, but the progressive wing of the party is really going to be studying how she won because it is quite a, a shocking victory. I happen to see her big campaign poster, and it was kind of funny. Um, she's a Hispanic gal, as you may have guessed from her name, but um, on her poster, she's staring just slightly off to the distance and on the side. Looks just like the Che Guevara t-shirt, which I don't think is accidental. <laughs> Meanwhile, Donald Trump tweeted out, Wow, big Trump hater Congressman Joe Crowley, who many expected was going to take Nancy Pelosi's place, just lost his primary election. In other words, he's out. That is a big one that nobody saw happening. Perhaps he should have been nicer and more respectful to this president. (laughs) That's right, because that's why she won, because she was more respectful to Trump. (laughs) That's hilarious. He made it about him in, in a truly... Nutty way. There's her Che Guevara poster up there. Oh, yeah. Very much so. So we got this text. Jack, what did a 45-year-old man replace golf and motorcycles with? Probably Oxycontin. Oh. Huh? Oh. Huh? Devastating. I've got a special tonight for an hour. I'll talk about that. An hour? (laughs) Another note. National debt's exploding. Congressional Budget Office projecting the federal debt compared to the size of the economy will hit 78% this year, the highest level in nearly 70 years. And that it will grow steeply from there over the next 30 years. Well, you left out an important uh, piece of information there. The reason it's the highest percentage of debt since in 70 years. What was going on then? (laughs) Saving the entire globe The biggest war in the history of the planet. So that doesn't really count. That's an extraordinary situation. Right. This is Um, at the end of many years of peace and prosperity. Yikes. Yeah, the longest period of peace and prosperity in world history, and we're at debt levels like it's World War II. That should yes. that should be alarming to everyone. It's alarming to practically no one who runs our government. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I was listening to a bunch of coverage of actually the, the upset uh, election win we were just talking about, and another Democrat congressman was commenting on it, and he said, listen, I think we're fine. We're going to keep bringing up the issues millennials care about. The environment. Uh, racism, uh, uh, climate change, right. and he had one more that was kind of your fringy activisty issue, right. and he said nothing about the bankrupting of the country and the theft from that generation. Mm-hmm. Not a syllable. I tell you what, youngsters, with all due respect to climate change and you want to be a good little social justice warrior, if you don't get on fiscal discipline in the government... You're going to wish you'd listen to old Grandpa Joe, because it's going to be a disaster for you. For you! There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show. The conscience of the nation fly like an eagle. Uh, once we get a Republican president and they get control of the House and the Senate, then we'll be able to get some conservatives start tightening up some budget strings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'll cut waste, fraud, and abuse. Right. Yeah, there is not a party that's, that believes in that. There is nope. no party that believes in that. Well, well there libertarian. is. But they, they have no support and they, they nominate crazy people. We regularly <laughs> run lunatics for office. That's correct. Motorcycles. It's and- our thing. Don't judge. Motorcycles and golf for middle-aged men have been replaced by mountain biking, road biking, hiking, kayaking, and other active sports. I'm kind of interested in these answers, because obviously something's filling those voids. I think there's some truth to that one. Sure. I don't know. Text line is 415-295-KFTC. Take a kayak. Go into those walls. Will do. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Big motorcycle owners have gone to side-by-sides, this guy says. I've got a bunch of friends that used to be Harley owners who are now side-by-sides, and I thought, I don't even know what that is. No, I I don't either. So I had to Google it. Um, Well, I know it is when I see it. It's those... It's like like, pornography, right? uh, Tough to define. It's like rugged off-road golf carts. You know, that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. My wife wants one of those really bad. Matter of fact, uh, we hadn't been hit with a certain tax bill we got hit with we would have bought one already but you can get you can either off-road with them you can hunt with them you can buy tractor implements that you put to dig holes and i mean you can go do all kinds of stuff with them or ride them around for fun so i guess they're the new thing i don't know i have no idea this guy claims it you know i was taken for a ride in one of those recently uh to tour a a a mountainous property and found it uh, great fun Mm -hmm. fun exploring vehicle a little rugged but you know you can keep keep it sane on it and there's a good one Riding Harleys and playing golf has been replaced with comic book conventions, Dungeons and Dragons, and cosplay. <laughs> I like it when we exactly. make assumptions exactly. that the decline of the male is... Broad brushes save time. That's why I use them a lot. Because <laughs> it's not manly unless your life's at risk. Takes too much grip strength to play. Do we ride a Harley or play golf? That's right. No, Millennials I... have no grip strength. <laughs> I do equate like Harley riding akin to like bungee jumping. Like I'm just as likely to do either one of them. Oh, or really? a motorcycle. It just in terms of this uh... Have you ever rid a motorcycle? Yes. Hmm. But in terms like it's the whole thing. It's not if you crash your bike, it's when. Sort of it's I Oh, I, I say that to everyone who gets a motorcycle. Yeah. And so... I and I ride a motorcycle regularly. But um yeah, I don't know. I just think it's fashion, you know, things coming in and out of fashion. Sure. Yeah. There are a lot of great American-made motorcycles that you can buy. But people buy Harleys because it's kind of a thing. But there's no real good reason or used to. fidget spinners came and went the way they did. Right. You got one, you thought this is fun for a while, and then you thought, well, that's enough of that. I think I'll do something else. Yeah. That's it. Boy, a big, beautiful motorcycle is a thing to behold, though. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I miss it all the time, riding. But anyway, uh, so uh, first of all, I need to apologize for my uh, photo agency, Getty Images. Um, which uh, we evidently posted a featurette on the website, uh, The Sexiest Fans of the World Cup. Series of pictures of hot chicks at the World Cup games, and the internet went wild and decried it as uh, misogynistic, sexist, terrible, horrible, regrettable, etc. So the editors uh, have uh, pulled the, the piece, so to speak, And uh, the editor's note said, uh, that did not meet our editorial standards. We regret the error and have removed the piece. There are many interesting stories to tell about the World Cup, and we acknowledge this was not one of them. And uh, I've looked at the images in question, Jack, because I am a thorough journalist. And it is almost entirely really, really attractive women who go to games wearing very little so people would look at them and say, look how sexy I am, or look how sexy they are. In spite of this, the Internet was angry. Of course, the Internet is angry about everything. If a seven-year-old girl tap dances, the Internet is angry. So, look at the comments sometime. So, the idea that, and this is such a staple of journalism now. Oh, this is a controversial thing. Look at these comments. You literally cannot come up with something that's not controversial to social media. Correct. So, that is the laziest 
worst, most cliched brand of journalism extant today. The only reason it's significant at all is that, for instance, Getty Images caved. Well, you can't justify anything with saying there was controversy on the Internet. You can't justify it being a news story. Because as I said, it literally, and I'm literally using literally, literally, literally correctly. Wow. You literally cannot come up with something that's not controversial. Correct. A cute little kid with a puppy will get lots of hate. Your puppy raped my eyes. Get that S off this site. You know, angry, angry trollish comments. So again, hey, Getty, just in case you hadn't noticed, it's 2018, not 1975. Enough with the dated sexist claptrap. Yeah, it's pretty lame. It, it is very lame. I mean, there's softcore anywhere you, you want to look. Look at your local beer uh, billboard if you want to see girls in bikini tops. But I, Yeah, I don't get that as a genre. I mean, I understand the appeal of it as a male, you know. To Allegedly. Drag, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> drag, but but it's, it's ubiquitous. I mean, it's, it's available everywhere. Right. And yeah. are you just unwilling to, uh, if you want to look at that, come up with it on your own? It's got to be on a billboard or... On TV or giving you the weather or sitting on a couch talking about politics or I just I don't get it. Right. Well, it's a time saver. Every time we bring this up, your weird, prudish, practically Islamic fundamentalist view of women, uh, we get guys who say, "So my choice is the weather from some dude in a sport coat or some really hot chick with the with big breasts. I'll take the big breasts. I, I don't quite get it. I want the best meteorologist." I don't think that's that's like saying the best, you know, the checkers player, coin flipper. Okay, but they don't make their money on the accuracy of weather reports. Sure, sure, that's a bad example. For meteorology, it doesn't matter. I don't like the. I don't like the. We're going to get you to watch because you're such a stupid male. You'll watch this young hot chick. I don't like to be played like that. But for the politics stuff, it does matter. So get somebody who understands the issue and is smart, and not somebody who looks good in that tiny little dress. To be on my cable news talking about my news. Right. That does make a difference. There is some cross section. There is, but, but I've not listened a lot. to these shows. I've watched them. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not a hundred percent. I didn't get to a chance to tell you about French butchers who've begged the government for help to protect them against vegans. Militant vegans wow. who are attacking butchers in France. Mm, that's where we're headed. Sacre bleu. And Trump's America. Alexa, play Final Thoughts by Armstrong and Getty. Okay, here's some idiotic musings by a pair of halfwits and their merry band of simpletons. Where's the lie, huh? Here's your host, Joe Getty. All right, let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the show, huh, Michelangelo? Your final thought? Uh, yeah, early in the show I said I was going to see the Mr. Rogers documentary, and I think there's some other movies I want to see this summer, so I may take a tip from Positive Sean and get the movie pass. Positive Sean. Speaking of you, your final thought? Yeah, Facebook is easing its ban on cryptocurrency ads, so I feel like this is the great time to let everybody know to get in on SeanCoin. This is going to be great right now. We're only <laughs> accepting cash. If you see me in person, give me some cash. I'll get you your Sean Coins later. We're working on the app and the infrastructure. but Or you can send it in by mail, but SeanCoin, it's going to be huge. Sure. I hear it's volatile. Uh, Marshall Phillips, your final thought. I know we've been talking about the times they are a change in desires are morphing. I uh, I know I have replaced riding my Harley with Chardonnay and Scratchers. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Now, I replaced mine with having kids, so but that's, I don't think that's what everybody's doing. Um, the voting is in. The U.S. Supreme Court wrapped up today, and this says that Neil Gorsuch ranked more liberal than Anthony Kennedy for the entire session. How interesting. Although, I'm not exactly sure how they came up with that, so I'll look into it more for tomorrow. 
My final thought is the infamous Red Hen restaurant in Virginia has announced it will be closed until July the 5th, so things can cool down a bit. You know, once I found out that they not only booted out Sarah Huckabee Sanders and made everybody leave, but they followed the party across town to a different restaurant and tried to organize a a protest. The owner of the Red Hen did. She's a nut job. I, I feel the urge to go there when they do open and make it hard for them to do business. Order a sandwich and a MAGA hat. Which which I'm against. I don't yeah. like that sort of behavior. But man, you get attacked enough, you want to counterattack. That's why it ratchets up and ratchets up, and pretty soon you're into danger, uh, dangerous territory. That's right. Um, Ask Steve Scalise about that. Armstrong huh? and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. There's something we ought to be talking about. Send it along. Yeah. Yeah. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. How are you feeling about your push-ups some point this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working on it. We're yes, indeed. We're, mm. <laughs> okay. A lot of words there. God bless America.